Welcome to College Talk. It's me, Beth Brandon, your host, and I am pumped. Today we're going to talk about match and fit, specifically regarding uh, four-year colleges, both uh, public and private. I'm also really pumped because I'm joined by Tony Ringette, and we're doing this via phone. So um, we actually pre-recorded that, now I'm recording this, and it's kind of some cool technology I'm not used to. Um, but we're going to let him talk a little bit about why and how he got into higher ed and what he's doing now, and then we'll go from there. Hey, Tony. Okay, so go ahead and give us uh, a little bit of a rundown of what got you to higher ed, what led you to admissions, and maybe talk a little bit about each of the institutions that you um, have worked at. Sure. Uh, and before I start, thanks so much for having me on today, Beth. It's It'll be great to chat about this topic that yeah. um, is so near and dear to my heart. Um, but yeah, like everybody else, I grew up wanting, knowing I wanted to go into higher ed. Um, not really. I started out working as a student <laughs> ambassador at Western Michigan University my freshman year, giving uh, campus tours of the university, mm. calling prospective students on the phone, and just kind of sharing all about WMU, even though I'd only been there for a couple a couple weeks when I started, um, sharing my love for the university and what it had to offer. And that was kind of my intro into admissions. I guess I didn't really realize I wanted to go into admissions per- in particular until I was probably a senior at WMU, I became an intern in the Office of Admissions, got to do a lot of the tasks that a, a normal admissions counselor would do. So things like um, giving the admissions information sessions and mm-hmm. you know, emailing students, answering the calls, being the on-call counselor for the day, things like that that really led me to, to kind of where I am today. Um, after I graduated from WMU with my bachelor's degree, I stuck around, worked in the same office, did a lot of the same tasks. Um, while earning my master's degree in educational leadership. Mm. Um, so got a little more hands-on with admissions, uh, did a lot more interning, got to go to some college fairs, uh, do some high school visits, both transfer and high schools. Um, so a lot of great experiences there. Um, after graduating from WMU for the second time, I moved on to Dallas, Texas, and to Southern Methodist University, Um, As the assistant director for Campus Visits, did a lot of work with our Campus Visits program, as you could guess by the name, Um, oversaw the student ambassadors, but also got to recruit a little bit in the Fort Worth area, which is about 45 minutes or so from Dallas, Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of my admissions experience there. Realizing I liked that part of the job a lot more than the Campus Visit portion, um, I then moved on to the University of Wisconsin. Um, in Madison, uh, got to have a lot more admissions experience, you know, recruiting, reviewing applications, which is another conversation in itself, um, and specifically recruiting all around the country. You know, I got the opportunity to go out to Colorado, um, back down to Texas, and of course, in my home area of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So some very different areas to recruit and just yeah. seeing just seeing how the fit was different from a kid from Kingsford, Michigan, compared to a kid from Dallas, Texas, or a student from Aspen, Colorado. It's just the differences, what all of them are looking for, and and things like that. Um, Realizing that I wanted to get back down to the South and was kind of tired of the 
Midwestern winters. I recently took a position uh, back in July as being a regional down here in Dallas for the University of Louisville. So basically, I work for the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, but live and recruit in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So um, it's definitely it's definitely a change when a lot of the students haven't aren't as familiar with your university um, as I had in the past. So it's it's been yeah. some really great experiences seeing a lot of different institutions because. WMU is a lot different than SMU, which is a lot different than Louisville, which is a lot different than uh, UW-Madison. Definitely. So I guess that would be, like, my next big question, or, you know, is what are the big differences between, you know, that large four-year, wow, large four-year public at uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison versus, like, Southern Methodist University or even Louisville, like, kind of... Yeah, what are the big differences there? You know, and a lot of it comes down to, so one, when you're at a larger university, there's that, I, I guess it's, I would almost call it a misconception because I have the whole motto of you can make a large school seem as small as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But I know with a smaller school, like I, for one semester, attended Lakeland College, um, Lakeland University now in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Well, okay. that school is a lot tinier than, than Western was. Um, where people knew each other, people knew everybody on campus for the most part, mm-hmm. um, where that was a little bit different than at, at WMU. And I had classmates from high school that absolutely loved that environment. That was perfect for them. It, was, it felt like home where for me, having that bigger university where you can meet so many different people where maybe you've never, it's your senior year of college and you'd never seen that person before. So it's just, it's cool mm-hmm. meeting such a, a wide variety of different people. But yeah, I mean, the size is definitely a big thing. Um, another piece is where those, those campuses are located. That can play such a huge role in a student's college experience. You know, I look at a place like Kalamazoo with 100,000, a place like Madison with 300,000. I'd consider both of mm-hmm. them college towns. But then you mm-hmm. get into places like Louisville or Dallas, and they're not really college towns. They're big cities. Um, and then mm-hmm. even between Dallas and Louisville, there's such big differences where the community feel at a place like Louisville is it's a University of Louisville town. Um, the, okay. the university's there to support the students. Um, and the, mm-hmm. or excuse me, the university's there to support the community and vice versa. Where in a place mm-hmm. like Dallas, it's a little bit different. So I think like when students are looking for like a college, I think the college town and the environment around it plays such a huge role in their experiences. I know for me, going to a place like Kalamazoo was was great. Um, there were things to do outside of outside of the campus, but for me, it didn't feel like too large of a city. Um, where Dallas, I guess, for for someone from a small town in the Upper Peninsula, they might get they might get lost in the shuffle of a big city. Right. Absolutely. What, I guess, what would you say are, like, your big points when you're talking to students um, who are trying to feel out that that match and fit? What are, um, I guess, some of the big points that you're like, hey, these are the things that you really should consider to make sure that you're going to be successful in in this school, in the city, um, et cetera? I think one of the biggest things is not listening to a lot of the outside noise. Um, You know, there might be families where they have twins and one of them goes to a large public university and one goes to a a small private university. They probably have a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. between the two of them, but that fit is different for two 
people coming from the same essentially background. So I think right. knowing what the right fit for you is. Um, are, mm-hmm. are you looking for that big environment? Are you looking for a place where you can kind of, where you know everyone, you kind of like uh, every, you, everyone knows your name and that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, are you looking to go far from home? Are you looking to stay close to home? Um, because people might not think about it, but that can be a huge impact. And maybe you're really close with a younger sibling or you have a very tight-knit family and going eight hours from home might not be feasible or, or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. Taking that in consideration, is there a specific major that, that you're looking for? I'm, I'm a big proponent of don't pick a school based on the major. Don't look at rankings, things like that. But yeah. if you're going for aviation, it's a little bit different where there's not as many aviation programs. Or if you're looking at you want to be on the business side of horse racing, well, going to one of the only schools in the country that has equine business and you're located a mile from Churchill Downs could be a good a good fit for you. Right. So just kind of keeping those things and not listening to what your peers are doing. Um, as I said before, ignore the rankings. I'm not I'm not a big fan of rankings because a school mm-hmm. may be highly ranked, but if you're not happy there, how good is that for you? Exactly. Definitely. Um, what advice do you have for students who are debating you know they're maybe stuck between two or three of their schools maybe one of them was their reach school and they're just like I actually got in and they're really pulled but maybe that you know match or the the safety school is kind of the one that they were originally thinking was more attractive and now they're stuck what is some advice that you have for a student visit campus first and foremost if you can visit campus visit campus um, that's gonna be mm-hmm. one of those ways to kind of feel like is this a place I could see myself for the next four years um, could I be happy at this institution? And can I be happy to call this place home really for the rest of my life? Um, mm-hmm. um, talk to people that aren't affiliate necessarily working for the university. Um, talk to alumni. Talk to current students who aren't tour guides, um, mm. who aren't trained to answer some of those, question, those tough questions, and find out what their experience is like. Um, and definitely... Think about the cost. I mean, that's always a big thing, you know. If if that is an important an important factor to you, I mean, student loans are never very fun to pay back. So, mm-hmm. always weigh out those scholarships. And I mean, if maybe a school gives you a scholarship um, that is for one year, think about that. Is this a renewable scholarship, or am I going to be right back to square one the next year? Um, but yeah, definitely. But definitely, the most important thing, if you can do it, is visit that camp. Absolutely. Okay, so you brought up price, and I think you're going to be a great person to ask about that. The original, like, sticker price shock between uh, private schools and public schools. Um, Can you talk about that? Because there are quite a few times when that can kind of end up evening out via scholarships, but can you just give us the lowdown on sticker price versus what... um, what it actually kind of turns out looking like yeah absolutely and i mean it's a lot of schools are very different and i mean i know you mentioned the public versus private realm um a lot Mm -hmm. of these private schools are going to be able to offer a a little bit more scholarship um Mm -hmm. but that's also a thing to keep in mind you might see i got ten thousand dollars from private school a but i didn't get anything from public school a keep that in mind i mean that ten thousand might not even be as much to, to over to like cover what the public school actually is with no scholarship. 
However, mm, I mean, true. the thing I always told students when I was working at SMU is never let the cost of a college determine if you apply to it. Because you never mm. know what types of scholarships that schools are going to be able to give you, what you're going to get in financial aid, um, and things like that. You might be very pleasantly surprised that the school that on paper looks like it costs $70,000 ends up only costing you 15000 a year. Right. You, you just never know. Exactly. Um, what are some tips, would you say, to make sure that, um, or not even some tips, I think just if, you know, hopefully you're listening to this and you're younger, if you're like a freshman, um, what can you do to make sure that you can get those scholarships um, to make that sticker price a little bit uh, easier to kind of handle? Yeah, I mean, be well-rounded. That's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, in the classroom, do start early. Your freshman year, you want to make sure that you're getting those good grades, but that you're also setting yourself up. This isn't just for scholarships, but to get into some of those more selective institutions, that you're setting yourself up to take those more challenging courses as a junior and a senior that are offered at your school. Um, so when you're taking a very challenging course load, you're getting great grades, that's certainly going to help. But then having having that experience outside of the classroom. And you don't have to be involved in every organization under the sun. It's really the biggest mm-hmm. thing is having, having the, that core group of things that you're really interested in that, and passionate about that you're involved with all throughout high school. I know as an admissions counselor that would review applications, that was something that I would always tell them. Like, I'd rather you see that you're involved in three or four things for four years than 20 things maybe for a year or two. Um, okay. um, leadership is always a great thing um, for some of those scholarships. They love seeing leadership. Um, I mean, if you've maybe done some really cool research, if you've done some, had maybe an invention or something, I know those are very one-off type things that you don't see a lot, but biggest thing, mm-hmm. leadership and community engagement are some of the best things that you can do. Okay, so I think, you know, students immediately think like okay so I have to be like the team captain here and do so many things in in this um like I have to do national honor society and like student government and all this stuff but you're saying like if you have a couple core things even if it's not even like with the school perhaps it's volunteering at a specific organization like the humane society for four years something like that is more rather than like doing one ping-ponging around I guess yeah absolutely and I mean even something this is a story I always gave um, from a prior institution that I worked at was there was an application. The student didn't have great involvement, but they did write in their essay how they went to a private school and they had to commute 40 minutes each way. And uh-huh. their parents each worked multiple jobs and they had three siblings that they pretty much looked after. Well, you might not think that that's involvement, but it is. Like that's something yeah. that can truly be can truly be a great piece of involvement definitely and i mean that shows dedication and uh perseverance and and all that as well here's another thing i've had students before talk to me um you know when they're looking at writing admissions essays um about you know maybe their grades aren't as amazing as they want them to be or they like are really proud of what their grades are because they've overcome something Um, but they are afraid or like they don't want to write those essays because they don't want to be seen as like complaining. 
Um, what advice would you have for those students as someone who reads those essays to kind of get an idea of someone's character? Yeah, and, and you know the amount of time, I would rather see if somebody's grades are, and typically these, especially these really selective institutions um, that are doing holistic reviews, are seeing your entire transcript. So if, if there's like a poor, so like maybe second semester of sophomore years is, is poor, but then they write their essay about how their grandparent that they were really close with was struggling at that point, and maybe they passed away, or just mm -hmm. anything, any personal struggle, that can help us tie, okay, that's what happened. Everything mm -hmm. else looks great, but that's what happened. Or mm -hmm. just kind of describing their life, especially for those instances where they do have like a true hardship that no, no high school student should have to go through. That's certainly mm -hmm. something worth noting um, in their in their essay, and I mean, like I said, we see the test score, we see the grades. Like, mm -hmm. we 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 read a lot of applications. So, telling the story is the best thing that a student can do in those essays. Definitely. And we. Yeah, and that's like the. Go ahead. And I was just gonna say, we read a lot that say, "What goes on un unnoticed in my life is I'm a hard worker." Need, need to be a little more creative in the in the essay so yeah yeah i was gonna say the the thing that i you know with the essays is especially when they're optional like that's the one part of the application that a student really has at that point i mean you know they had control their freshman sophomore junior years when they were you know getting the grades they were getting but up until that point that's like the one thing they have now in this application process that they get to control or is more about them than like a number is that essay um, and so I think that's great advice. And, and another piece that we see a lot too is the campus essay. So there'll be the question of, okay, um, like tell us why you want to attend this school. Well, don't make it a generic essay that you, you, that you send mm -hmm. to every single institution. I can tell when mm -hmm. you're just replacing, we, replacing one school with the other. So, you know, at least do a little bit of research on this is why I want to attend this school. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I have um, one kind of last thing that's kind of rolling around in my brain, uh, especially when you mentioned that you worked um, with transfer students. Um, what's some good advice to, to talk to students about just transferring in general and things they should be looking out for, but then also um, if they realize they are not at a school where they're happy, um, you know, what are some signs maybe that you've seen students um, who have transferred or like I didn't this wasn't working for me this is why um, so maybe students can you know prior to that if they're catching a vibe they're like I don't know if this is what I want uh, maybe they can catch that before they go there or if they are there and they're not enjoying it um, how they know maybe it's time to transfer or look at other options one of the biggest things is I always re I recommend give it a year um, unless it's a situation where you just can't you can't mm -hmm. do it um, that was when I transferred after my first semester and then transferred back um that's one of my biggest regrets is even transferring in the first place um had i given it a year it wouldn't have even it wouldn't even happened um so i just think it's really getting familiar and making that place your home and not really going home too too much that first those first couple months um right. and getting really um embraced into the, like the culture on the campus um mm -hmm. but just just transferring in general is kind of if, if you're starting out at, a, at say, like a two-year school at a community mm -hmm. college, which 
I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of. Um, at the end of the day, if you graduate from a university, it's going to say, your diploma is going to say that university, not this university via this community college. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure. the biggest thing is kind of having an idea, like even right now, maybe you, your dream is to go to a, a school, but you, you know if you just grade-wise you're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. You can still get there. And oftentimes it is easier transferring in um, based on requirements and things like that. Um, but kind of knowing what schools you're interested in transferring to from the beginning. That way you can kind of look at their requirements and see, okay, these classes do transfer, these classes do not transfer. That way you, you're making sure you're taking the necessary classes. Definitely. Um, I think one thing that I've heard before is articulation agreements. And can you explain what those are just a little bit? Yeah. So some schools will have articulation agreements with certain community colleges or junior colleges. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, that's just an agreement that if you if you take X amount of classes in certain areas, that you have a guaranteed transfer into that university. Essentially, what it means. Um, Perfect. A lot of schools, though, will have that you need to just in general to transfer. You'll need to have about. I would say two semesters worth of transferable credit work. Um, okay. That's typically what they're looking for, and the requirements, like I said before, are typically a lot la- more lax than if you're jumping right into the university as a mm-hmm. freshman. Definitely. And making sure that you're taking like, ing- like general classes, nothing too specific, too fancy, not jumping into like mm-hmm. welding, culinary classes, mm-hmm. things like that. That they're just not going to transfer. Right. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, yeah. Those specialized things or maybe something that's in like more certificate realm isn't going to probably end up transferring to, even if they're fun, a uh, four-year exactly. um, college. Um, so I have our two final kind of like Oprah style. Um, I ask everyone the same two questions at the end. Do you have anything else that you're like, I really, we have to talk about this before we move on uh, any pieces like that um i you know i kind of mentioned it before but the biggest thing is keep an open mind um visit mm-hmm. campuses like figure out what's important for you because you never know when you're accidentally going to discover your dream college true that's that's, that's probably so the biggest true. thing and kind of ignore the rankings um yes mm-hmm. rankings uh, these higher ranked schools are phenomenal institutions that can oftentimes get you a foot in the door at some companies, but mm-hmm. I know many people that I went to school with at WMU that have better careers now than someone that went to, say, like the University of Michigan, not because they didn't get a great education at Michigan, but just because of the opportunities that they presented themselves with at WMU. So the school you attend doesn't necessarily mean the job that you're going to get in the end. Definitely. I, I think that's huge. And that's something I talk about with students too. Like, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to not have to worry about how many hours you have to work and you can take that free internship in the field you want to go into, that's huge. Um, and that's going to help just as much as, as the name of a college on a degree. So thank you for backing me <laughs> of course. on that. Um, okay. So the two questions, the first one is what was uh, your favorite class? that you took in college? Ooh. So I took a curling class at WMU. It was a one-credit curling class. 
Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. But ultimately, my favorite class, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a leadership class with Dr. Mm -hmm. Peter Northouse, who is one of the premier mm -hmm. experts on leadership in really in everything, I guess, in general leadership. We had some of his books in, in uh, higher ed leadership, and he was just so fantastic to learn from, and he made the class so much fun. And then there was another leadership class I took with uh, Dr. Randy Ott at WMU that was oh yeah just so much so much fun so incredible and it helped that Dr. Ott was such a great great person to learn from. Definitely, yeah, he is he is one cool dude. Oh, I love Randy. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so the second question is, what is the best piece of advice that you got um, when you were heading off to college? Oof, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, so I came from, I was a first-gen student, um, mm -hmm. didn't really have, the, the, counselor, the counselor at my school, she was great, but I just never really went to her very often. Um, mm -hmm. I look back and shame, shame on me. <laughs> um, really just like the people that said enjoy it. Um, enjoy where you only have those four years um, to really make some of those memories and, and, you know, I mean, ultimately impact the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. um, those four years are some of the most honestly important. And I mean, not just learning in the classroom, but like I felt the stuff that I learned outside of the classroom was even more beneficial than the stuff I learned inside the classroom. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, that was, that's awesome. Tony, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Any last remarks before we sign off? Uh, that's, that's really all I have. But the thing I will say is make sure that when you start applying to your schools that you get everything in on time, you're aware of deadlines, and then that you do keep in touch with us. Keep in touch with your admissions counselors um, because, one, it's fun to get to know the students that are applying to the university and, and build those relationships. And, and, yeah, definitely keep in touch with us if you have any questions. Awesome. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. Thank you, Beth. All right. So that was pretty cool. Um, hopefully you gained a little bit of insight um, as to some differences between four-year public and private. Finding that perfect match and fit as decision day is looming near May 1st. Keep that deadline in mind. And uh, you learned a little bit more about the admissions process if uh, maybe you're someone who's listening who's not a senior. So thank you, as always, for tuning in and uh, chatting with me here on College Talk. Get ready. Get ready.